Hi, Intention listeners. Today is Season 3, Episode 10, and we interviewed Rachel Lawrence from the People's Protection Coalition. This is a great um, interview, one of my favorites so far. Usually, I know that we talk about, um, you know, strength, strength sports, fitness, working out, well-being, etc., but I think that this, um, the activism work that the People's Protection Coalition does and a lot of what Rachel talks about is important for your health too. It's important to learn how to care about other people and love other people and participate in your community. And I think Rachel is a great example um, of what we should all be doing. So yeah, if you want to learn more about the People's Protection Coalition, continue to listen. We will have all of uh, the social media names, stuff that we mentioned within the podcast in the episode description. And we really hope that you enjoy this episode as much as we did. Thank you. Coalition. Um, Rachel, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, so my name is Rachel. I use she, her pronouns. Um, I guess I would call myself an organizer, activist, I guess, um, whatever that means. <laughs> but um, I've been working on People's Protection Coalition since um, about June. And yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. We are really big fans of your guys's work um we think it's um i don't know i don't want to say like inspiring but i think that i've been hearing a lot of like older people say um you know i feel like today's youth just want things and they don't really do anything to Mm. get what they want or they're not really actually out here demanding change Mm -hmm. and distributing justice and i think what you guys are doing is exactly that Um, And I can't think of, like, any older folks who are doing what you guys are doing and who have done it, like, with just the speed and the passion that you guys have. So that's awesome. Thank you. Before before we really get into any questions, Rachel, could you just kind of explain what the PPC is um, for the listeners? Yeah. So People's Protection Coalition um, is basically, it started out kind of, different and we'll probably end up talking about that but essentially what we've been doing and um, the work we've been doing has been centered around mutual aid and providing care for the community Um, and those the work kind of depends on the needs of the community so it's able to shift but basically what we've been working most on is kind of getting um, resources and supplies to the houseless community in Minneapolis um, and trying to just just redistribute um, resources to where they're needed in the community. Awesome. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, So then a little bit more about like you and your background. How did you get to the spot you're at today and become the person you are today? What what kind of led to um, the Rachel we know today? Yeah, so at least in particular with like organizing work, um, mostly got its start in high school um, because that was just the kind of thrust of the Black Lives Matter movement, um, just gaining momentum. Um, I just my family life was always kind of I was always kind of exposed to um, kind of. activist ideology so like um, my 
dad would always like put on documentaries for us to watch and stuff. And I've always been a big history nerd. So I always studied like um, social movements and things like that, um, which kind of fuels my personal fire for for that. But I would say pretty much got started in high school, um, just working within my school um, and then expanded outwards more towards the community at large. Yeah, I think South made that. Um, I wouldn't. Huh? Oh, were you done? No, she was done. I'm saying she didn't go to South. Oh, you! I swear you went to South. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Roosevelt, but I was kind of, um, you know, bounced around all the. Yeah, I feel like those schools in particular made it really easy to get involved in stuff like that because, um, like you don't have to go far to help, mm-hmm. and you're in it. You know, like, so, yeah, I think in a way um, we had, had like, a little bit of an upper hand in being, like, these are the areas that need to be worked on. Because then I went to Carlton, and people there were, like, oh, you guys, like, there's, like, a huge houseless population in Minneapolis. And I was, like, Yeah, if if I could butt in, I think. That's an interesting point because I experienced that too going from like um, public school all my life to then going to like a private university. I feel like we have all the the understanding of like where resources need to go, but then they have all the wealth and the resources and they don't necessarily know what to do with it and they don't always make an effort to figure that out. So it's an interesting like dichotomy and it is a pretty shocking thing to go from like inner city Minneapolis to a private school. So that that's an interesting thing to talk about. I hadn't really thought about it like that, but. I can relate to that. Cause I also, you know, went from going to a po- public high school to like a private university. And the one thing that I always like kind of shook me was like a lot of the very initial like liberal arts intro to social justice or any of those kind of frameworks. I was like, Bitch, I've been here since yeah, like, 2015. Yeah. But I don't like to think like that because um, that's kind of um, I, that kind of woke paradigm is sure. kind of dangerous thinking. But like just the very basics of like radicalized. No, thinking, you're, you're you totally know? right. We always make the joke like people say like, you know, black people don't get treated very good in this country and think they're like <laughs> spitting facts when... Spitting like, yeah. <laughs> that's just, you know, there's a lot deeper that you can go with it. And it's just, um, there's, like you said, a lot of resources at the top that I feel like if they were invested on a more widespread level, maybe we'd see a little bit yeah. outcomes. Absolutely. So how, um, like, how was your, I know that you made a video about this and I definitely want to link the videos in the the, the comment in the description um but like how did your summer go like what brought about ppc yeah so this summer was it was pretty hectic um for everybody um just a lot happened i don't think anybody was just expecting the onset of a uprising in anybody's backyard but that's what we got so um you know i was outside a lot um doing um 
Well, initially it was a lot of direct action. Um, as you probably know, a lot of. I don't even like to say the word riot because I feel like there's a negative connotation with that, but um, just direct action. A lot of people in the streets at the front lines kind of going against police. Um, and then when it kind of started to die down was mostly when um, PPC started actually um, mobilizing. Um, but the idea came about from the riots and uh, like I said, well, like I said before, it was kind of um, the initial plan was to provide like an emergency vehicle for um, people who um, were affected by police brutality, um, at least in kind of the heart of the riots and stuff. Um, but as they kind of died down, there wasn't really a need for that as much. And we ha also had to reassess because that's not an easy task to take on, like providing a, an ambulance service or right. anything like yeah, that. That's yeah. a lot of responsibility to sign on for that we kind of hadn't necessarily took in into consideration at the very beginning. It was just kind of an impulse of like, OK, we need to do this, um, but it wasn't really a sustainable long term goal. So in just reassessing that, um, we shifted to just do what we could within our capacity and just aim to meet the needs of the community in whatever ways that we can fulfill. And so far that has been looking like um, hosting supply drives and kind of getting our hands on these supplies and um, things that we can then redistribute into the community and allocate it where it's needed um, in across different areas. I, that's awesome. What I especially love about PPC is that um, it's you guys going into the community and knowing what like what your capacity is, but knowing that your capacity makes a huge difference in the people around. So I, I think that um, over the summer, a lot of people who hadn't previously been thinking about like, what can I do, had to start thinking about that question, what can I do? And of course, everybody goes to like broad scope things like I can get a degree or something like that or like um, well I I feel like I can't do anything because I'm not like a, a huge activist with a big platform but I think your guys's model for what you did even though like you said you hadn't really thought everything through is amazing because it everybody always says like start within your community mm -hmm. and that that's all anybody can really do so yeah exactly. And it's kind of like a network, like even if we're just this small group of people in this one community mm -hmm. that can then branch out and create touch points into other communities of people to do the same thing. So, yeah, it's something I really like about what you all do is how it's sort of like um, you're not really putting yourself into any one box, but like community people of the community will always need help and it seems like you guys are just there to help no matter what it is i mean it's obviously it's shifting to winter so i'm sure you guys will be focusing on getting um so you know gear that people need and stuff like that so i love how there, there's always going to be a need for people to help each other mm -hmm. and you providing kind of like a framework that's sustainable um mm -hmm. and that everyone can contribute to i think is really really cool um and i also think i mean jen you mentioned like 
it's always it can be difficult for people to know where to put their efforts and it can seem overwhelming if you think you have to solve all the world's problems mm-hmm. like right away um and in a way i think it's kind of unfair that we always look to people of color to tell us what to do too because that's mm-hmm. just a huge burden and it i mean white people are the ones that cause the problem so it mm-hmm. doesn't seem fair that people of color should have to clean up the mess at all but at the same time you i mean like i think what you've done with your patreon and things like that and just giving people places where here come drop off whatever supplies you can offer give mm-hmm. us cash and we'll get the supplies i just think that's amazing that you're doing that so um big mm-hmm. props to you and everybody that's involved thank you perfectly summed up um, so um our next question i guess what is your what is the hierarchy and not even hierarchy but what are the roles in ppc look like like who are some of your team members you don't have to list names or anything but how do you make it all work i guess is the question yeah so i guess um technically i started it right so i came up with the idea for it but pretty much from the jump it was a collective effort because i had people thankfully that i could call on to help me mobilize it and I have to give all the credit to that because without the people working so hard, you know, to try and get it on its feet, it wouldn't be. So, um, yeah, McKenna, Kira, Rose, RZ, Connor, um, Ndolo have been kind of the core um, squad. Um, and there's just a lot that goes on like to try and organize it which we've kind of had to step back and be like okay maybe we don't all need to do everything maybe we can kind of you know take shifts and some people go distribute on this day and we don't all have to be there because everybody involved has just um a fire and a passion for doing it but when you kind of um don't pace yourself it's really easy to burn out so um we've made uh, a significant effort to keep it very um collaborative and all kind of make decisions in coordination um but we've been more recently doing a better job of kind of staggering the workload rather than all feeling like we have to all do every single thing which is a better framework i think to work from yeah i i kind of have a question that's not on the list sorry um and this is a really big question um so if you don't know how to answer it that's cool and we can move on but what is like your vision for the people's protection coalition like do you want to continue doing what you're doing or become a nonprofit, or um do you not really know yet yeah so we have had discussions around like our long-term goals and it's hard to like set in stone because you don't necessarily know how the needs of the community are going to shift or what our capacity is going to be in the long term but just speaking as of now my goal we definitely want to stay grassroots and rooted in community um first and foremost upon all things that we do um one thing that i'd really like to um work on is maybe um like community education so a lot of the people in ppc have education backgrounds um or are going to school pursuing education and 
a lot of us have kind of veered away from that because school looks really differently now. But um, a lot of us have um, tools in education that I feel um, would be really valuable if then redistributed back into the community. Mm -hmm. um, so that could look like free classrooms um, or free classes on certain um, pretty much any topic. Um, I feel like education should be free and yeah. you know universities kind of it's a whole different thing but I'd like to think about education in a way that makes it um, accessible mm -hmm. and um, to people of all ages and all backgrounds and something like that. Yeah that's really cool and honestly I feel like that's how most things should be. I think um, I mean, us as trainers and stuff like that, we're definitely very passionate about trying to provide access um, to resources and things like that. We always talk about how everyone deserves good coaching. And I think the same goes for education. The mm -hmm. same goes for, like we talked about, winter gear, first aid, all that stuff. It, people shouldn't have to go without. Um, and there are things we can do. I just think that there hasn't in the past been like a, an organized way of distributing things like that. So I think the fact that you just got like a bus and you're driving around <laughs> dropping it off like it seems so simple but nobody had done that before so that's why I think it's so cool and that's why I really wanted to get you on here because I just think like it, it seems like a simple solution but yet nobody had done it yet and you were the one to actually do it so I think that mm -hmm. says a lot about you and the people you work with yeah and I think things are changing so rapidly that education even for the most technically educated person is always needed like you're always needing to learn about movements in other countries and movements happening even right next door and how dynamics might be shifting from you know when you were younger things were this way but now things are this way and we have different needs so like when I got out of college I was looking for like those um Minneapolis public schools adult classes mm -hmm. um, and I was like this class is backpacking I mean it's like about how to survive in the outdoors and it costs 95 dollars and do you know how I mean, I wasn't 95, but it was something wild like that. And I was like, do you know, like, how helpful this could be for people who are mobile or, like, don't live in a traditional home? Like, this could be extremely helpful, and that is just really inaccessible. So I think that's a great route for y'all to take if you end up taking that. Mm -hmm. And the thing about education is, like, I, especially in terms of, like, activist work I think it's really easy to kind of what's the word I'm thinking of kind of like um what's the word I'm thinking of I'm not going to be able to think of it of course but um to kind of put on a pedestal like those who have access to certain ideologies and those who don't so like um gatekeep yeah, in a way. It's kind of like what I touched on earlier, that like woke paradigm. You're kind of mm -hmm. gate, yeah, gatekept, whatever yeah. the proper way to say that is. Mm -hmm. um, if you have this certain ideology, rather than if you never had access to it, how are you expected to uphold these certain, um, this framework, mm -hmm. if all that keeps you from it is just access to that knowledge, which I feel like kind of how we talked about like that liberal arts private education 
you step into it because you're given access to it and all these people don't know what to do with it. But if you open up that access and give it to the community to have that wealth of knowledge, you know, it could go, I feel like so many ways and so much further. So that's something that I'd like to invest in hopefully in the future. It would be really cool to see also like what education from you all would look like versus a traditional like you said, liberal arts education, mm-hmm. because there, I feel like there's so much that we missed out on or was misrepresented or voices mm-hmm. that we didn't hear in traditional textbooks and stuff like that. And there are also so many things that, like frameworks and stuff like that, that you, you kind of need to be able to understand like what's going on in modern society mm-hmm. by being able to go back and look at history and see what preceded it. Um, things like like the critical race theory and things like that, just knowing, having those frameworks and like knowledge to call on to understand what's happening now I think is really really helpful and Mm -hmm. not everybody is lucky enough to have access to those books or those teachings so that would be really really cool I think I think that would change um, change things for a lot of people Mm -hmm. Um, okay let's talk about a really basic question that I totally should have brought up earlier Um, what does mutual aid mean to you so for PPC, obviously, y'all do a lot of mutual aid efforts, stuff like that. What does that mean? Um, so to me, mutual aid is essentially reciprocal care. So it's taking the resources that I have access to and redistributing it to those who don't have access to those resources and then the community reciprocating that and everybody just leaning on each other and taking care of one another um, in opposed to like, say charity work which kind of relies on a kind of hierarchical relationship of someone in the position of being the giver to someone in need and it kind of puts that person in a position of power um, over others and and in contrast mutual aid really positions everyone on an equal playing field of just supporting one another and giving what we have access to so that everybody's needs are met. I love, I actually have never thought of it as like a reciprocal effort. Mm -hmm. And I really love that because um, like in my, I'm doing a master's program right now in tribal administration and governance. Um, So for the past like four or five years, I've been learning about, um, indigenous communities and how things um went like tribe to tribe and my mom's native and so I noticed like a little bit of things going on at the reservation that I'm reading about but I feel like a lot um mutual aid is definitely a very indigenous concept as well um Mm -hmm. I think it's a way of life um which in a in a way of sustaining yourself Mm -hmm. and um yeah, that the way that you define that really opened my eyes to that. And I think that that could potentially be a paper for me. No, um, I think it's like something, just like you said, it's a way of life. And I think as a result of all the systems that, you know, oppress us, capitalism being namely a huge one, um, they've been largely lost, at least to society at large. But if you know that the saying, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. Those systems are embedded. That's what community is supposed to look like from the jump, is taking care of one another and just being there to support one another and 
you know, allocate the resources so that nobody has to be without, you know, because there's more than enough. Um, I think mutual aid is like, in my opinion, like the bare minimum is like what we should be doing already, but we've come so far away from that mindset. And I think at least this past summer has provided a little bit um, of a look into what we should be trying to get back to. Absolutely. I think a lot of people who might look down on mutual aid or mutual aid efforts actually probably participate in mutual aid themselves. They just don't like to think of it that way because of their political ideology or things that they were taught to consider bad, like welfare. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. Yes. Um, So yeah, super interesting. One thing that you said that stuck out to me just now was you talked about how like with traditional um charities or any anything where someone is trying to receive help there's almost always and i don't know if this is the word you were thinking of before but it popped into my head like a barrier of entry where like a lot of times if people want shelter you you can't be on drugs there are these certain things if it, if it happens to be at a church you have to you know identify with whatever to get in stuff like that so I think what's so cool about what what you guys do is people need help and you go around and give it to them regardless of of who they are or what the circumstances are or if and, they're going to need help again or if they're going to need help again and like you said like there we have more than enough things mm-hmm. so it just seems like a very common sense and just like humankind like basic care thing to want to do yeah. but people don't do it so I really hope that you got you setting this example will really spark some change. Um, one question that kind of popped into my head, and this might be a little bit off the wall, but um, I can't think of the name for the actual like psychological phenomena, but I know that when you give, sometimes we do it because it makes you altruism? feel good. All, yeah, exactly. So do you believe in altruism or like, how do you reckon with when you are doing something that is helping another person, how it makes you feel? How do you kind of like grapple with that? Does that make sense? Yeah, I know what I mean because I've I've dealt with this topic um in like my psychology classes and stuff and it's like um I've read up on some studies of like is altruism like innate in the human experience stuff like that. I think um I think it is a natural phenomenon that like one that's yeah, I do it's think tricky. it is it is. It's tough um if you really, really, really like get technical with it, yeah, you could say that like every action you do is to some degree um, like selfish. Yeah, like yeah. you're participating in this because you want to make yourself feel better or something. If you want to get technical with it, sure. But also, I think like it doesn't have to be that deep all the time. Like, I think we can just do what we can and acknowledge that we like it's okay to want to look out for other people you know what I mean and and I think I think you your organization's intentions really show through and just in the fact that you're not like super flashy like here we're doing this for people what are you doing um shower us in praise type of stuff because there are people out there who you know, they'll make a donation, they'll screenshot it, they'll post it right away looking for confirmation that they're doing the right thing or that they're a good person or whatever. But I think you can always kind of see through that and just 
your intentions seem very genuine to me. So I guess my follow-up question would be what, like, what exactly inspires you to want to help people like you do to dedicate your own time to do stuff like that? Because we all feel that way to a certain extent, but we don't all make time for it and make it a priority. So mm-hmm. like, was there something that changed this summer that wanted you to really take action or has it always kind of been that way and you were just looking for the right outlet? Um, I think both. Um, I definitely, it's something that I've always, you know, felt passionate about and, you know, wanted to act on. I think the summer was a prime catalyst specifically for like it in and of itself of like, it was a, kind of impulsive response to what was immediately going on but also in a more broader sense being outside and being immersed in community for like every day every for like weeks on end was like you just I it's a community I've always lived in but you know just being so immersed and watching everybody you know stand together and just be so united over like a cause that so many people were just willing to give their lives for Mm -hmm. you it's just so easy to fall in love with people and seeing the community suffer for reasons that should never be in the first place Mm -hmm. seeing so many people live in lack when we all know that there's plenty more than enough to go around Mm -hmm. um it just doesn't sit right and i guess just overall for me at least is the just love of my community and just i want to see them thrive i want to see everybody taken care of um, on a wider scale than just South Minneapolis, but also have to, you know, be respective of the capacity that I can take at this time, you know. So it was a good starting point, I think, um, to just start within the community and the relationships that I'd already built with so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just invested in um, the care and well being. Yeah. That was really beautiful. Thank you. I think love is like a reciprocal act in in the same way. And obviously love makes you feel good too. And so like kind of going back to that um, little conversation about altruism, I think at the end of the day, you doing something that makes you feel good and positively affects your community, that's sustainable. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to go into the next day and you're like, this is hard work that I love to do. And it makes me feel good and it helps my community. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Right. And I don't see what the point in, in like, kind of, I feel like that's used as a justification for like calling people selfish or something, but I don't see what's good in doing work that, like you said, isn't sustainable or that will burn you out or that will cause you to, you know, give your own livelihood and well-being. It doesn't have to be, you know, one or the other. We can, that's what mutual aid is. We can all rely on and support each other so that no one has to feel that, ugh, you know, that tax of just burden. It doesn't have to be all that. 
nobody wants you going to work being like, I get to help people today, but it really sucks. (laughs) Like, we... I'm I'm glad that you love what you do and like that you just like hearing you talk about your love for the community like obviously this has changed you fundamentally um and that's awesome do you do you want to go with the question I mean just I I don't know I was really moved by the way you spoke because I too have great affinity for South Minneapolis um and it was I mean it was a hell of a summer watching everything burn and all the stuff that we grew up around, up around just change like tanks on the corners. It was, it was wild. And just, I feel like you kind of like rose from the concrete type of shit that, that Tupac shit. Like, I don't know, you made something out of nothing, which I think was really, really cool. And mm-hmm. um, the way it's all built around what we have here and that it's not like some pipe dream that you're really doing it. It's just super, super inspiring. So thank you. Yeah. So we should probably talk about, um, like, how do you feel about the results of the election and what might this change for PPC, if it changes anything? Um, I've, doing, I've been doing a lot of thinking on, like, the election um, and kind of just reflecting personally on it um, because it's obviously the hot topic. Every Where you go on social media is getting talked about. Um, and I'm hesitant to, you know, like, actually, no, I'm not hesitant. I will say what I say because um, there's a lot of celebration going on, which is like, okay, it's cute. But also, um, we're not retreating into normalcy because normalcy before Trump was just quiet racism, right? Yeah. It was just hidden, closeted racism. Yeah. Okay. Trump's administration was nothing history hasn't seen before, and all it did was just bring that racism to the forefront um, and kind of put it on the table. Um, So kind of celebrating um, a retreat back to just whatever is quote-unquote normal. Um, Exactly. So... Uh this, um, I, I said before the election, like either way it goes, systemic change is not going to come about as a result of the election. It's just not. Um, it's going to come about by systems being torn down and replaced. And hello. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Um, Change isn't going to come with the election. Yeah. Oh, right. So basically, I say all that to say this election was not some big awakening, mm-hmm. uh, at least for people of color, because we've been new, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, um, I would just say it's really important moving forward to hold this next administration accountable for the promises they make. And also, there was a lot of promises that they didn't make or like, you know, they're kind of against abolition, which is, huh? Mm -hmm. So, you know, there really is no lesser of two evils. Mm -hmm. We still have a lot of work to do and that's not going to change. Um, And in terms of PPC, that work um, is even going to maybe need to be ramped up because 
change is only going to come through the people, not the systems that, you know, were built to do the opposite. You're like, yeah. I think it's going to be like a similar thing where people are like, okay, guys, racism doesn't actually exist because Obama's president. And now right. it's going to be like, there's a, um, a woman of color in the White House. So, I mean, we don't really need to be doing all this, do we? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like, like you said, I think the work is going to have to be more expressed. Like people are going to have to do more here because I, I saw a tweet today and it was like, um, a lot of people didn't know about stuff like this until Trump became president. And so then they had to learn a lot about like, uh, this is what happened historically. And then this is why what's happening now is so wild. Um, but, but, but predictable and all of that learning people did was because they kind of felt like they had to. Mm-hmm. Um, but now this is an environment where it's like you don't really feel like you have to anymore because on the surface it seems like things are going in a direction. But we know that, they, yeah, they didn't make a lot of promises. Mm-hmm. And we know the political history of both of these people and that they're not for the radical change that Republicans seem to think they're going to bring to this country. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that argument really resonates. Yeah. And that's think- like danger of like putting a respectable face on like this kind of thing, because it's like, I don't know what's going to happen, but like, yeah. it's, it's not going to be the change. And like the saying goes, the master's, tools cannot dismantle the master's house it's mm-hmm. got to be changed from the ground up yeah yeah i think both what what both of both of, what both of you said was very pertinent and um jen i think you're right i think that in a way like stuff kind of going under the radar um with like Rachel said, a presentable face and mm-hmm. stuff like that is almost more dangerous because it becomes harder to identify what is happening and what needs to be changed. And I, I do, I totally get what you're saying, Rachel, because I've seen a lot of the sentiment where it's like, our work is done, we won, victory type mm-hmm. shit. And it's that's... just not the case. Like, mm-hmm. it's great that we got that idiot out of there, but it's really like- We'll I, put another one in there. Yeah, I just, I don't mm-hmm. know. And I, it's, it's, it is a little worrisome. Um, and I don't, I don't think by any means that we're like, out of the woods or anything like that so um uh, go ahead oh that's where a lot of the work i think is going to come down to is kind of trying to um trying to justify to people who may have been on our side this summer but now are like what are you guys fighting for now we got this and this and this and i've seen those arguments already trying to be in place like what are you still protesting for he won he's not the end-all be-all of anything i promise you if he might you know so yeah it's gonna be hard to convince people to still be on this side because there's a lot of people who are like, mm, I don't really, like, support all that defund the police business. But um, the police officers should probably be more respectful. But, like, people, you defund the police people are way too, like, radical. Mm-hmm. And, like, now it's going to be not, I don't want to say, I don't, because I don't want to, like, make, like, an us versus them. But it's going to be mm-hmm. hard to convince those people and be like, 
that's not going to solve the problem. Right. Where, where I wanted to go next was, so we talked about a lot about how this isn't going to get us where we need to go. Um, Rachel, I'm wondering, like, let's try and speak some things into existence. If, if you could make change um, in your community and society at large, what, what do you think needs to happen to make society like a more just place for everyone? That's a very broad question. I realize that. Um, I would say the nice, clean answer to that question is to, you know, as we've kind of already spoke on um, the quote unquote, you know, be the change you wish to see and the, the systems that you notice in your community that are not being fulfilled, um, i.e. mutual aid and you know, just general basic community care. If those needs are not being met, do what you can to meet those needs um, and fill those gaps where you can. Um, things like that. Um, and but at the same time, my more realer and raw answer to that question is: I don't think the radical change that we need and are seeking can come about without a holistic kind of revolutionary framework and we need to shed these systems and attack them and kill them at the root um, which is not um, going to be easy or comfortable thing to do because systems of white supremacy, capitalism, things um, that run off the oppression of people are so, so, so deeply ingrained that to uproot them would mean uprooting everything we know to be true, basically. Um, and a lot of people have a hard time sitting with that and what that means, um, but it really comes down to, um, I guess, do you want to see uh, a world and a society in which all people can um, can receive what they need and um, have justice and have all those um, what would I call them? Yeah, I would say needs, but it goes further than just basic needs. It's you know. Like fulfilling natural law like right. what human beings actually need to survive is, is more than just food and water mm -hmm. it's right. love and care and and um feeling respected mm -hmm. and you know these systems they're so tired and it's there's no place for them anymore but to like i said uproot them and um that would just it's going to be a lot of work and it's going to be a long um a long haul and it's not going to be comfortable for a mm -hmm. lot of um and that's going to be the challenge um there's going to be a lot of challenges but <laughs> that's yeah. one of them yeah i think that was like that was a great answer I, a lot of people would would have maybe said like um, end houselessness or homelessness, even though some people choose to live that way. Um, that's not going to solve an issue or give everybody 
raise a minimum wage to $17. Okay, that does nothing about systemic racism. Right. Um, so I think what you said is exactly on point that none of those, like, fixing the symptoms isn't the same as, yes. Exactly. Um, so we kind of want to, like, finish up here and be respectful of your time. Um, we like to ask this question to everybody that's on our podcast. What does strength mean to you? Hmm. Strength to me, um, I think it just means, I think it's something that comes from within. I think, um, traditionally we view strength as a very physical thing, um, and a very able-bodied thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I challenge that notion and I think that it really comes from within and it's kind of that internal fortitude to persist Mm -hmm. and um, despite maybe odds that push back against it um, and continuing to continuing to I I don't even want to say fight or struggle because But just continuing, persisting, um, Mm -hmm. maybe despite odds that go against it. Um, And yeah. Yeah, I love that internal fortitude to persist. I feel like that, that's a great answer. (laughs) I'm going to get it tatted on me. All right, you want to go away? All right, the last thing we're going to do is we're just going to ask you some rapid fire, more lighter questions just to try and get to know a little bit more about you. The first one is, who is your celebrity crush? This can be like from when you're a kid or it can be current. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. All the way, Janae Agle. Ooh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. Who's your fa- all-time favorite artist or band? Also Janae Aiko and Stevie right. Wonder. We were supposed to see her yeah. when COVID happened. I was too. I still need my refund. I'm not uh, going to lie. Right? They're like, it's postponed. Until she needs to run me my money back. I love you, sis, but come on. (laughs) All right, what is your guilty pleasure show? My Hero Academia. Okay, I haven't seen that. Mm, Yeah, I haven't either. Netflix, or if you're into that, it's on Hulu. Oh, cool. You like that? You like MMA? Yeah, I do. Um, all right, favorite snack. Um, cereal. I could bang some cereal at any time of day. Top three. Go. It's best at 2 a.m. Um, uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, them little Golden Graham things. Those. (laughs) I could get down with some Lucky Charms. Oh, Honey Bunch of of, Oats. Those are underrated. Very underrated. Mm Mm-hmm. But I don't uh, love when they get soggy. Yeah. No, yeah. You, you got to eat those ones, that, like, with a little bit of milk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like how you said golden grams because growing up, like, I never really got, like, the... The name brand. The name brand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was always the off-brand cereal. Did y'all yeah. ever get those big-ass bags? It was, like, the yeah, best the deal. family size <laughs> Those were huge. But they I would still be one. gone, like, in a week. Yeah, especially with six siblings. It was rough. All right. 
Um, last question. Dinner with three people that are alive. So you could do like a separate dinner. You could do them all at once. Um, I would choose Angela Davis, Asada Shakur, and... Um, last one. That's such a hard question. I would probably choose... Janae, I yeah. <laughs> okay. got three answers out of your rapid fire question. Right. Um, I realized that we actually skipped over a really important question. Um, do you mind if I ask? Absolutely. Okay. Since you were talking about Asada Shakur and Angela Davis, how does, I think we see a lot of this, like, um, abolition isn't just like a one-time thing. It's a practice and it's, just, it's a way of being. So how does one become a student and practitioner of abolition? Like how have you made conscious efforts to incorporate that into your life? Um, I think, I think firstly that this kind of goes back to like, um, what I was talking about with community education. I think that these are really um, basic frameworks, but a lot of people don't have the access to the language or the terminology, um, like that barrier of knowledge we were mm -hmm. talking about um, to kind of put word, put it into words, right? Mm -hmm. Those concepts. Um, so I think um, one thing that we can do um, is kind of, um being critical of mm -hmm. especially like authority um in a nationalist state mm -hmm. um that's a lot to unpack there but being critical um don't take things at face value mm -hmm. do your own research um or um um how else would i put that i think that's a solid place to start just being critical and and doing your own research i think yeah <laughs> i i think that's huge in and of itself for sure yeah my mom says that she shares posts on facebook and she doesn't read them and i was like oh <laughs> that would be a place to start is maybe share the resource and read the resource before you share it just yeah. being critical and seeking seeking knowledge i think is always a good starting point mm -hmm. um, and that's to say you know doing your own research not reaching out to you know people who are already doing this work and yeah. expect them to kind of educate you on it um and if they're willing to do that that's one thing but you know mm -hmm. take it upon yourself do some research into um things of that nature and um yeah just yeah I'll leave it at that before I get to I think that's solid advice for sure. Everybody can do that. Mm -hmm. So that makes that whole thing seem more welcoming. Mm -hmm. Rachel, thank you so much yeah. for your time. We really, really appreciate it. Um, Rachel has 
an awesome YouTube channel where you kind of break down what you went through the summer um, in a more long, more in-depth kind of format. I watched those. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. I highly recommend you check it out. We'll make sure we link it. Um, do you want to plug like your socials or, um, or the ones for PPC? You can do your personal and that one. Yeah. How can people so, learn more about you? Mm -hmm. So my personal Instagram is aphrodisiac.jpg, afro with the A-F-R-O, not A-P-H. Mm -hmm. um, and People's Protection Coalition, we are just at People's Protection Coalition on Instagram. Um, and we also have a website that links all the information to donations and other social media and things like that and that is peoplesprotectioncoalition.org awesome another big thing you can do for us and for rachel and for yourself and your community is um the patreon mm -hmm. um do you want to talk a little bit about that i mean it's pretty simple you go there you, you yeah fill stuff out and you make a contribution mm -hmm. yeah so that is also linked on our website um, under the donate header, but basically our Patreon just allows people to make a monthly contribution, which um, there's different levels. There's like a $5 one, I think a 10, 15, 20 one. Um, and basically those just allow us to have kind of a more steady stream of income um, that we can use to then redistribute back into the community. Um, Cause one of the, there was a big thrust in the like very, very, very beginning um, for people to donate because it was a hot topic. Um, but since then, a lot of that has died down and we run totally on donations and volunteers and things like that. So um, it's really helpful um, to know what work, what work we can do um, moving forward when we have more steady stream of income to propel that work. So, yeah. yeah. Totally. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rachel. It was so great to have you on the podcast. Sorry, my dog's all in my business right now. Um, we hope that you stay safe um, and that PPC continues to be able to do its thing. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. All right. Have a great night. You as well. Thank you. Bye. Bye.